So just so you know, I personally, I can't, I can't feel Gunner's shoes. So I'm Dave. I will be no. Dave. Dude, I, I've been Gunner way too many times. You, you, <laughs> you've got to, you've got to be Gunner this time. No, I, I don't think I got the energy to be able to do Gunner, man. What, what, what are you talking about energy? It's all he, he's so low energy, right? Yeah, he's so calm and that's true. Relaxed. It's pretty so. easy, right? To be Gunner, exactly. It's, much it's easy. Yeah. All right. All right. I'll be Gunner. That'll be easy. Excellent. You know what? In fact, why don't you cue the uh, intro music to the show? You got it. Hey guys, what are you doing? We're here. Yes. We're here. We, we're we're we here are to do a here. podcast. Okay. Yes. Yeah. All right. So I'm I'm joined here. This is Dave. Hello, Gunner. Hello, everybody. Um, doing a quick interview here while I'm visiting Raleigh. I'm here joined with uh, Izoma Nawasu and Robin Price. So say hi, guys. Hey, everybody. Hello, everyone. Yeah. So um. So t- tell you know. So you're probably wondering. Okay, who are these guys and why are they on the podcast? So why don't you guys uh, introduce yourselves? Let's we'll start with Izoma. Well, I guess I'm the most senior of the two of us, right? Mm-hmm. My name is Uzo Minawasu, and uh, I am a solutions architect for in public sector, and I support our business development guys for SLED. Okay. Business. Nice. And I'm, uh, my name is Robin Price, Inside Solutions Architect for Public Sector based out of Raleigh. Been with Red Hat for about nine years. And Uzoma, you are senior. Uh, in fact, I remember when I first started. We, uh, we we joined uh, support together. Or actually, you were already here. Yeah, I was here, and you came a few months later. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, we actually were uh, sitting beside each other there mm-hmm. for a hot minute. Yeah. yeah that, was a long, that was a while ago. That was a long time ago. That was a different Red Hat, too. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, yeah, and that, so that was a long time ago. And, and the interesting thing is that you guys, you, you didn't hire on as solutions architects. You, you moved through the organization. So why don't you talk about that journey? And also, you bring up a good point, Robin, that it was a very different company than it is today. So let's add some color as you go through that journey. Oh, wow. Sure. Yeah, so I came in to Red Hat through our support organization. I was... Believe it or not, a security guard at an art museum. No way. Yeah. <laughs> so this is like night at the museum sort of thing. <laughs> well, was, what I would do is I would uh, read books. Yeah. Yeah. On break. Yeah. And I was uh, messing around with uh, Debian and Gentoo and Fedora at the time, and uh, the opportunity to uh, apply for a position at Red Hat happened, and uh, they they liked what they saw. Nice. Nice. So then, so you got in the support organization and you run like frontline support? Frontline support for a, a number of years uh, with Robin dealing with the fire drills, helping helping customers out. Yeah. And uh, I, mean, I have a few stories uh, in, in that world that were pretty fun, actually. So how did, how did you go from there to being an SA, the pre-sales solutions architect? Uh, Funny story, uh, Bob St. Clair. Yeah, uh, we, we had a we we bumped into each other a couple of times within the office, and we had a number of conversations. Yeah, and a position had opened, and I just went around and I I started asking questions, inquiring about the uh, solutions architect role, 
Justin Nimmers, uh, yeah. who used oh, to man. be here. Yeah, yeah. He, he was highly influential as far as uh, inspiring me to become a, an SA. Yeah, nice, nice. And then you you moved into the uh, SA organization as an inside SA. Right? As an inside SA, uh, then to senior inside SA for a, a, a time being, and then I went out into the field yeah. uh, covering the Southeast Territory Yeah, yeah, for, for state and local. Yeah, and then that's that's how it created the opportunity for for Robin to join the SA org. So, how did uh, tell us about your journey? Yeah, um, <clears throat> my journey actually starts many years even before Red Hat. Um, that I could probably expand late, later on, but in terms of uh, my career path here at Red Hat, it's actually really neat because when you read Jim's book, yep. it actually talks about the being able to do this, take control of a lot of ways you can move around the company or really inspire yourself to, to go out and, and do what you want to do. And when I first joined at Red Hat, uh, was, I came from uh, IBM. Uh, one of my friends over there, Jeremy West, was able to help us uh, come over. And I believe Jeremy is, is, uh, is actually still part of the support organization, higher up, doing a lot of the engineering work behind there. Uh, he brought me over, and what was really neat about it was the – um, everybody was just willing to help. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, you know, Uzoma, you know, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the old school support guys when we were first there were just always wanting to help. You know, if you're a new guy, but it was really tough back then too. Oh yeah. Um, they didn't cut you any slack. Yeah. Um, if yeah. you, uh, the seniors there, they really pushed you to really learn a lot. Yeah. Uh, and they put you on the spot. You know, if you didn't know something, you were going to hear about it. Yeah. Uh, so do push-ups or something. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of pushback. It was, it was a lot of pushback, and yeah. but you you really had to um, have a backbone and understand that they're really just trying to push you into the right direction. They really encourage you to to, to improve in your skill sets. Yeah. Um, but when I got here, I had a couple of individuals who uh, gave me some really uh, cool uh, suggestions. Is make a like a one, three, or five year plan when you're here. Because we do have individuals who rotate out of support fairly quickly. I believe it was like Christian Merrill at the time that he was the manager then. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal manager. But he, he was like, hey, you know, the idea is burnout is really easy in support. A lot of us who've done support probably can say that there is a burnout period. So look at your horizon. Like, what do you want to do in a year to three years? And so my, my path was I went from the frontline support um, went over to L2 or level two, yep. uh, which no longer is this. We have a, a, a very unique and, and uh, uh, escalation model now that we, we do. We could probably touch base on that if we already, if we have it in other podcasts, but for other episodes you've done. But the uh, went to L2 and then actually went towards TAM, the yep. technical account manager yep. role. And I went to the partner TAM, so I supported like EMC, IBM, um, Symantec, Cisco. And then I transitioned over to a government TAM. Yeah. commercial TAM, so I started picking up a lot of the government um, accounts there. And that was essentially what had, or helped me get into the inside role. Yep. And I remained very good friends with these owners through all of this. Yeah. You know, we would always talk to each other in hallways, catch up, whatever. So I knew there was an opportunity that was coming about, and it was a completely different change from support and going into sales. Yeah. Um, and so he, I, I stuck with it. You know, I, I kept up in contact with these OMA, and uh, I went for it. And thankfully, the experience I gained out of the TAM organization helped me go right into the SA organization, hit, hit the ground running. Yeah. 
lot of stuff was able to, I was able to not have like a ramp up period, just go right into it. And that, it seems like they, very similar to a lot of positions. Yeah. It always complements each other. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think for both of you guys, I, one of the strengths that you had coming into the role that helped you become successful a lot sooner than somebody off the street was that you came from the support org. So if, the, you know, it's real easy, you know, if there's some big customer escalation or something going on that you get on your end, you can go down to the support floor or, or I guess up to the support floor and, and talk to your, your uh, colleagues and, and they'll be like, oh, yeah, Robin and, and Azoma, yeah, those are, they could really help me out and, or I know what I'm getting into because these are good guys. And um, so I'm sure, did that help out a lot, your Absolutely, relationships? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And, and in fact, it, what's really cool is um, a lot of really successful people here at uh, Red Hat have in some way or some form be a part, have been a part of the support organization. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's an excellent jumping off point for uh, uh, a new employee to yeah. Red Hat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of the other things that you guys have in common is that you're both leads of SME teams. So what are SME teams? And, and tell us about the SME teams that you guys are, are leading. Uh, so what, what's a SME team? So, well, first of all, SMEs are subject matter experts. Yep. Yep. And there are a number of them. Uh, within the SA organization covering, uh, there's a group that covers just Red Hat Enterprise Linux. Uh, there's a group that covers uh, CloudForm. So all the major products, they have a, a SME, and it usually consists of about 10 to 13 uh, fellow SAs from across the uh, North American continent. Yeah, it's commercial. And, and yeah, commercial public and public sector. So, yeah. you know, there's a lot of camaraderie, a lot of blending of experiences. Yeah. Um, you want to add anything as yeah, far as you like know what's really what, well? What's really neat uh, about about the SME teams is well, you know, whenever offer when you know different Red Hat back then, and I think this might be a little bit common for a lot of the industry where a lot of the support organizations don't necessarily get along with the sales organizations. Yeah, the, the sales guys are the ones that cause all the problems that blow back on the right, support absolutely. guys. Yeah, you know, and and there's I can't hide the fact that that was a common theme even even back then. Yeah. And what has been really amazing is to see the transition um, since I became an SA. Even before it was happening, yeah. like Travis Kepley, who came out of support, yeah. was in the inside SA and commercial. And uh, it gave an, an insight to the support guys coming out of uh, support to come in and influence a change. Yes, And that change was we actually have become very good about giving back to the support guys. Yes. Uh, closing that that actual gap where it's not, we're all on the same team. We're just in different departments. Mm-hmm. And we've been able to really close in that that gap. And SME is, uh, these SME teams are a really great way to do that. You know, yeah. we can, we, we can uh, get everybody for essays that we learn in the field and come back and be able to generate information back to engineering, back to support, back to whoever else is, is really needing the business units, needing this information. But it's a great way for us to interact with a larger scale at, at, at the company. Yeah. I would say I would add that I think what makes us so valuable is that we almost come in with the mindset of how is this going to affect the rest of the organization first? How, how does how does our actions uh, affect uh, our support organization? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And if and that's the thing, it's. Um, and I think, like I said earlier, both of you guys have built that trust with a support organization that 
you, you know, when you guys show up, it's not like, oh, no, what did what did you guys get me into or what did you sell that is going to, you know, you sold some bill of goods that they're going to be left holding the bag. Um, so you guys having that relationship is good. The other thing is the subscription model, I think, is another thing, too, is that you guys need to renew the business that you sold. So you're not going to sell crazy things to get the deal and then just eject and move on to the next thing. You got to live with the, the solutions that you guys come up with. Um, so you got to do a good job with it. And then the other part is making, coming up with things. And, and, you know, I always talk about the, you know, force multiplier or being able to scale things out and find things that are repeatable. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's one of the things that the SME teams do um, as far as, in, you know, the, I, I just know historically we've had people that are super smart in certain areas, but if they keep that to themselves, the rest of the organization and, and the rest of our customers can benefit from that. And one of the benefits of the, the SME teams is, you know, instead of doing the same demos over and over again or the same workshops independently and they're all independently invented, um, this is a great way that you guys could uh, come up with stuff that is repeatable. Um, so, like, you did some stuff, Robin, with uh, the the summit um, as far as uh, uh, SCAP Lab and doing some security yes. stuff. So how did – and that was just – that was more than just the SAs, right? You involved uh, – it was broader than that, right? I did, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, Again, so I am the team lead for the security SME yeah. uh, here, and it's it's one of the newer ones that we've developed. But the yeah, it gave me the opportunity to go to Summit uh, yeah. to present or co-present with Sean Wells. Yeah, uh, it gave me the opportunity to include a lot of um, solutions architects within the security team to be, become a part of that event at yeah. Summit. Yeah. And what was really neat was the ability to uh, reach out to these other organizations within Red Hat. And say, hey, this is what I'm doing at Summit. You know, do you mind critiquing this? Do you mind seeing if I'm on the right path? I want to make sure I'm telling our customers the right things. You know, what what is something that I'm I could do better at? Yeah. And even peer reviews from the engineers, uh, you know, from from the business unit, from engineering, even from a support standpoint, their support organization. There were people that really appreciated the content that both Sean and I were able to create. And the idea is that we essentially want to make that public. Just like you said, we don't want to sit on that information. We want to, if it's something that we definitely can, customers can benefit from, put that on the customer portal or open that up into the community on like GitHub or some sort. But instead of holding that information, definitely share it. Yeah. There, but yeah. And I think that experience as well is uh, by you having to work across departments build up your personal brand with those guys. So Absolutely, yeah. whenever it's like, oh, Robin had a had a question to engineering, engineering's going to be like, oh yeah, Robin's a guy that helped put that that summit lab together. And so I want to I want to respond to Robin cuz he knows what he's doing. So the same way that you had that street cred with support, you've now extended that to engineering and the business units and um, your voice has a lot more weight than before you started uh, this endeavor. That's right. And you know that goes back to that the whole the the book right with, yeah. with Jim is you know be the change you know Red Hat gives you the opportunity that you know if you see an issue or you see something broken down in the process you have the ability to go in and, and change it you have the ability to go in and offer those suggestions and contact the right people and everybody's willing to listen yeah and take that feedback on it. Yeah. always have the opportunity to solve yeah big, yes. big problems mm-hmm. yeah so how, how about you Zuma? I know that you've picked up the systems management SME team 
just recently. But just you've recently. been on you've been on you've been part of the team for a while now. I've been part of the team for a while. I've been through a number of the uh, team leads. Yeah, uh, <laughs> been under you keep quitting under, because of you. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, they domination complete. They yeah. they keep moving on to bigger and better yeah. things. Well, that's that's the other part with career advancement. Yes, yeah, yes, and uh, the opportunity uh, made itself apparent that uh, I could uh, I could I could grab a, a role, and it's only been a few weeks now, and I am. If anything, I, I think I'm learning a, a change in myself in terms of uh, you know, being in a leadership position. Yeah. And so I'm developing some some skills that I didn't even know I had. I yeah. didn't know yeah. I, I, I had the propensity for. So uh, it's, it's extremely exciting. Um, we just launched, uh, with, with ISME, it's uh, Systems Management, and we just launched Satellite 6.1 yeah. Uh, yeah. just yesterday. Yeah. So, you know, it's very exciting times in terms of, Getting the word out, evangelizing the offering uh, to within Red Hat as well as outside of Red Hat. Yeah, uh, we are uh, we're in the process of doing a lot of cool things that I probably can't talk about just yet. But yeah. we'll be announcing in the, the coming. Yeah, well, weeks you know what's really cool so. about that though, because you know we try to work together in terms of you know if we are in a. Being in a part of one SME doesn't mean you can't be a part of others. So yes. uh, what's really cool about this, though, with the 6.1 release is I've seen a lot of the SMEs uh, feedback from what they've done, a lot of the work you've done actually uh, showcasing within the, the, the release of Satellite 6.1. So a lot of the a lot of the bug fixes, a lot of the feature yes. requests and stuff <laughs> like that have been coming a lot from our customers from, uh, from the sales organization, from and- a lot of the solutions architects. Exactly. Yeah. No. I can. I can trace back. I, you were in Columbus when we had this meet team meeting. Yes. Long time ago. Oh. And yeah. we're we're plotting out. You know, um, it was. You know, we were plotting out when Satellite Six was coming out, when Rel Seven was coming out, and and then we, we were seeing the disconnect, and you know, we we're throwing red flags all over the place, mm-hmm. and um, and I think it's the combination of the essays that are involved with RHEL and satellite and security and all, all the different things uh, of being able to take a look at the big picture and get the BUs to, to talk amongst each other. And um, I think the release of Satellite 6 was um, highly, 6.0 was highly affected by, you know, us meeting in Columbus and, and bringing to light some of the, the things that we need to have at launch. Absolutely. I, I remember uh, clearly when, uh, Open SCAP was a topic of discussion and getting uh, engineering to, to meet with Gunner and yeah. uh, the likes within public sector yeah. to better understand this, this SCAP thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and this, this, this is like what both of you guys are working on as far as like Robin doing a lot with the SCAP work with Sean and SCAP security guide. That's 20 bucks, Sean. Um, and, but, but also taking it back to, uh, having how do we get this baked into satellite satellite six one and um, you know I, I remember seeing a couple months ago the the some of the beta uh, demos of six one with the SCAP integration and it's just beautiful mm-hmm. um, and and yes. I think that is directly correlated to the work that both of you guys have done both of your teams have done in terms of going back to the BUs and saying yeah these are the things we need this will be really useful to us. But then even going further, 
you know, I remember years ago, people were looking at SCAP as, oh, that's the government nerdy mm-hmm. thing. And it's right. no, nobody uses that. That's a government thing. So who cares about that? But now we got other guys that are looking at doing SCAP for PCI and, mm-hmm. and other things. And by having that out of the box in satellite um, is really important. And it makes that adoption a lot better. And we're hoping to see big things in terms of Satellite 6.1 and the Docker registry. Yeah, that's yes. another one. So it's like, you know, Docker showing up. That was a pleasant surprise when I heard about that. So um, so instead of having your own, you know, almost thinking of it, of, uh, the to me, a, an analogy would be instead of having a like a Yum repo with your packages in it, or a, a Docker registry with your Docker stuff in there. Um, the same way people buy satellite to manage their their RPMs, they can have satellite to manage their their Docker containers, and that's again something that's baked into six one. So exactly. that's exciting. Exactly. I mean, you can imagine a time where uh, there are vendors who basically supply their solution, their COTS solution. Yep. That's a Docker and just being able to have that ported into satellite and, yep. and provision. Yeah. So let me let me ask you guys, um, how how do you lead teams? So this is a leadership question. How do you lead teams of people that you can't fire? Yeah. So how do you know? And this goes, this again goes longer. <laughs> well, this goes back to the book too, right? Where it's like it's all about meritocracy and and you know inspiring people to charge over that hill and follow me as opposed to do this or you know whatever. I mean, how how do you guys motivate people to um, you know volunteer to be on a SME team and contribute? I really think that if you position the content to be exciting, mm-hmm. uh, it really drives a lot of uh, a lot more attention, a lot more uh, participation. It, I feel like if I approach um, individuals on the team and say, hey, we need a, we need documentation or we need to do this, and it's one of the most boring topics ever, you're not really going to get a lot of help. Yeah. Um, the thing with the SMEs are it, it, it's got it's got to be educational, it's got to be fun, and it's got to be uh, important. You know, there's a bigger mission in play, and that's really to make Red Hat better, make everything better through these through these groups. Um, to get them involved is they you got to kind of have a buy-in, you know. You gotta you gotta make it exciting, but you gotta also uh, have some sort of reward in the process. You know, for me, it's it's making sure that we can have engineers come on or engineering come on and do some training for us, or we have like a big event where we invite people over and they're going to get free training from like Dan Walsh. You know, Dan Walsh is phenomenal at coming into these meetings and educating us on this stuff, but uh, also giving them the opportunity for career paths. You yeah. know, with SMEs. Uh, and, and if you're active, you know, that shows up. You know, people take notice. You talk about the personal brand. The SME is a great way for your personal brand to get out there. Um, and when you present that to everybody, they, it's, it's people are going to get the aha moment. They'll, they'll be like, oh, wow, I can, really, I can really use this to further my career, further my, my, my brand and being able to get out there. And a lot of times, and Dave, you, you know, with me, I've, I had a, a hard time and, um, so, you know, you were talking about how, you know, you're improving, you're learning a lot about yourself, you know, about being like a team leader of the, the group. But uh, even me is I feel like I need to own everything. Like I really yeah, I yeah. need to take yeah. on so much. As an individual mm-hmm. contributor, yeah. you feel like you got to own it oh, man, as opposed to delegating even, it. Yeah, even yeah. like a team leader, I feel like, oh, man, that's, that, that's something I have to own and do myself. And uh, one of the things that this helps in the leadership role is being able to release that, being able to let go. And really trust in your 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 uh, coworkers and your and your people to be able to to generate that 
that result or, you know, being able to step up to that challenge and, and complete it. Absolutely. You know, going back to personal brand, uh, I think uh, one of the things about being a uh, SME uh, team lead is that, you know, we get to have inject a little bit of our personality yeah. into the, uh, into the mix. Mm. And for me, that meant engaging with my team in a different way as yes. far as having individual meetings with them, finding out what they want oh, nice. out of it, mm-hmm. you know, just being fully engaged at that level. Yeah. Uh, and then of course, bringing that back up to the BU and saying, okay, this is what I think we need. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds to me like you're getting and So instead of it being like, I'm doing a Zoma stuff, you're talking to people one-on-one saying, what do you want to do? And you let them take ownership of it. And when they have ownership of the problem, their brand is associated with the success or failure as opposed to yours. So you're going to get people more likely to contribute. I see this role as just being, an, you know, an enabler. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, my goal is to empower everyone on the team to be able to take charge and make the team stronger. Yeah. Collectively as a whole. Yeah. And, and it's also, I think, rewarding, too, that you guys can point back to features and products and say, that was me. I had a role in that or, or people on the team saying that that was me and, and everything. And, you know, having that uh, or, you know, I had a lot of influence over that feature or, you know, th- this is. Attribution's key <laughs> no matter what. And yeah. that, you know, I think that was also something that was talked about, you know, in a previous episode. Yeah. We actually listened to to the show. Well, thank also. you. Yeah. That's, no, I know. This is my first time hearing this. Yeah. <laughs> I never heard of it. Yeah. First time caller. Yeah. yeah. Well, this, yeah. So I agree with you. So they, that, you know, that, you know, you look at non-monetary rewards, right? And, mm-hmm. and, you know, you can give Red Hat rewards, you know, like gift cards to people and stuff for participating. Um, which or is donuts. Good, or donuts. But, yeah. you know, you know, what are those, what are those non-monetary things that can motivate people? So part of that is, you know, attribution and making people famous. The other thing is, you know, when you delegate and you let somebody own something, maybe they have that relationship with engineering and, and they can build those things. And so whenever that person calls up engineering or whoever, you know, they answer the phone and it's like, oh, yeah, this is a, this is a good person. And I want to help this person out because this person helped me out. Um, so, yeah. So uh, I, I, I may have a, a slightly different direction of questioning yeah now if you don't mind yeah yeah um as you both know i am an expected father yeah congratulations yeah, man. That's awesome. <laughs> thank you so it's, it's it's a girl yeah and bringing a young woman into the world uh how do you go about empowering her uh to move into say a, a scientific or a STEM field. Yeah. How do you, how do you energize your, your daughters? Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll take that day. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I, I, I don't think you can actually force it on the child themselves. They'll, they'll, they'll show you what they want to, to go down uh, in terms of what interests them. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I think it's just by nature, your, your, your children want to, know what you do and want to mimic what you do and um, when they see that you're happy and excited about what you do you know they want to replicate that they want to they want to experience you know why is that so fun or why why is why is that just a a great thing to be a part of Um, and I really think that 
the best way, at least for me, is I'm slowly bringing my daughter into the technology world uh, at a slow pace. Um, how, how old is she? She is now, she's eight. Yeah. She's eight now. And, of course, she, we, they have friends. You know, she has friends at school that are all got, like, iPhones. There's mm-hmm. even some that have, like, Instagram and Facebook. Wow. And um, she's an oddball. She doesn't have that stuff. And mm-hmm. I feel like she needs to fully understand the capabilities of technology, what information is like. And um, and so, for me, it's a, it's a slow, slow process. Yep. In fact, I'm taking a little bit of a, a note on how to uh, show or train your kids on chess. Uh, I love chess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um I play chess with my father every day. Mm-hmm. It's like this little chess. I don't know if can we can we advertise other sites? Chess, sure, sure. Chess.com. Yeah. So chess.com has an app. Mm-hmm. And my father and I we, we we actually play against each other. And my daughter has always seen me playing chess, so she wants to learn. And I found out that I actually failed really hard teaching her chess by setting up the board and then starting to play chess and telling her every single piece of what it does. Oh yeah. And that completely turned her off. It was too much. It was just too much. Yeah, it was very overwhelming. And then I went back and remembered how I learned chess, and my father actually would just teach it one piece at a time. Mm -hmm. So it was all he would only we would only move the knights on the chessboard. Okay, you know, and then maybe next time we would get to do the pawns next. Okay, Mm -hmm. but a slow introduction that way. Yeah. Um, And I got to talk with your daughter today um, about this and. She said you did a wonderful job, Dave, of, of showcasing or, or presenting to her technology in small increments mm-hmm. and then allowing her to expand or learn on her. Like whatever she, whatever you taught her, allow her to grow mm-hmm. in that knowledge and then come back and build off that foundation Yeah, and, and to continuously do that. And I think that's really the key is, is if you see that interest, you know, give, give them a little bit at a time and not just jump on and, and really try to bombard them with with technology and yeah at least that that's the approach i'm i'm trying to take no i i agree and um you know with lauren we i would always relate it back to something that she was interested in so you go back to her guinea pig game yeah with scratch you know instead of it being you know you know, pull out your um you know c manual and go to chapter two and we'll start going through the exercises you know we did a little bit of that with um with scratch but you know, when, as soon as I, you know, took her out to lunch and I'm like, okay, what kind of game would you want to make? And, you know, I like to do guinea, I like guinea pigs and I have guinea pigs. So what, what would a guinea pig game look like? And you let her own that and that, that idea, just like how we were talking about with the SME team mm-hmm. of, of, uh, you know, what do you want to do? What, what sort of ideas do you want to, um, you know, pursue and let her go with that and let her just expand upon it. Um, and, and I think too, like you said, don't, don't force STEM on somebody. Cause it, it could be, it could be that, you know, maybe it's not, you know, the, you know, just that they're not interested in STEM. There's nothing wrong with that. That's cool. Um, and you know, it could be an interest in business. It could be an interest in, in different types of things it could be an interest in art. Um, and then maybe what you do is like, if they have that interest in art, well, let's let's do a drawing program and let's let's do this. And I wonder if there's a way we could programmatically draw this stuff, or mm-hmm. you know, and you know, so it's like don't do like a full frontal assault with you know throwing technology. It's sort of like see what she's interested in and and just uh, plant some seeds and see if if they grow a little bit and and then nurture that. But in terms of say like math, yep. I mean, 
you know, obviously you have to kind of encourage a little bit of that at an early age. Mm-hmm. I mean, was there, were there any steps that you did to uh, make, make sure that she kept somewhat of an interest in math? She does math. She doesn't do math for fun. You know, it's sort of a, a you know, it's it's when when it's necessary. Like you know, no, but you know, we would always, uh, uh, I would, I would, we would do what was called cookie math. We would call it uh, where it's like my wife would have cookies and we would just break them up and it's like, okay, Lauren, what, what's the Fibonacci sequence? And and you know, and she would just recite the Fibonacci sequence or you know, <laughs> okay, is seven a prime number? And this is when she was like five or something, what? you know, and, and, but it was just little, what? little factoids like, you know, well, it, you know, or, or is two a prime number and we would, we would debate that, you know, and it's like, what well, it is, well, no, it's not, or it is. And, and so, or is zero a prime number. Um, but, you know, and, and having those sort of con- uh, conversations just, it's almost like, uh, like you're discussing like trivia or something like that. Um, but it's not like we're doing math equations or, or things, but, um, you know, th- you know, like uh, her, her guinea pig is her name's uh, Fibonacci um, after the Fibonacci sequence. But, you know, she it's just little things like that that is, you know, that she likes um, that is, you know, it's like a like a cool insider thing between her and her dad. That she always uh, she always uh, would appreciate, but it's, it's actually the uh, yeah. You know what um, you're saying that uh, I I so I mentioned that my daughter doesn't have a very big footprint on the internet. You know, I'm very very kind of cautious about this approach. But you want to ease into it, yeah, yeah. yeah. And one of the things that uh, I told her she needs to understand is what encryption is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really think that's a very important thing to understand when going from you know things are changing, and so. Uh, information's everywhere. Encryption is a really big topic. It's very important, and I could not, I could not, dis- I could not get her to understand encryption. I tried so hard. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was trying to do like the easy, like like the Caesar, like the Caesar uh, encryption, and I would move like the letters around. I'm like, all right, here's the secret message, and it, it just wouldn't click mm-hmm, mm-hmm. until we got. And I have a picture of this. It's a bazooka Joe. She got like a Bazooka Joe comic, and it was an, an encryption card. Oh, okay, right. And I'm, and I'm like, okay, this is cool. And I looked at it, and I'm like, why did I think of this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was so amazingly well done. Where it's two lines, it's two, it's like A to M, and then right below that is N to Z, and then a little arrow. So if you go to A, oh, and a substitution. Yeah, yep. you go to A, you go to N, you go, you know, go to M, you go to Z, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so we started writing. Messages to each other and see what the, yeah. And so here I am trying to teach her this one way, and it was taking forever for her to understand You're, you're having her generate GPG keys. Yeah. <laughs> and then not even a couple minutes later, she comes back with a page full of, like, scrambled letters. I'm like, I have to decrypt this. This is great. This is yeah, awesome. Yeah. She got it. She understood it. Yeah. And it's and it's an inside thing between oh, you yes. and her. That's right. You know, it's like, it's, it's a cool thing. You yeah. know, it's like, uh, yeah, and that's what, like, when... Rel seven came out, and I, I put uh, I was showing her Rel seven, and she's so used to Rel six with the uh, you know pretty much the, the start menu thing, and then with GNOME, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, and then going to GNOME three with Rel seven, she you know she was like a little skeptical and everything, and, and I'm like you know there is this you know you, you hit the was it the awesome button or the the Windows key, and um and um, and I, I called it Ninja mode, and she's like ooh. 
ninja mode. I can, I can get into that. And, then, and then she's like hitting that. And, and so she's the overlay that comes in. Yeah. Where, where you can, it's like, you know, because you don't have the, 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 the pull down to yeah. find all the apps and, you know, and all that. But you hit that and then you can just start typing in Firefox and boom, you start the Firefox. So she got really into that. And, and it's really, it's like you make it cool to them. Then that's what the, they really get into. And the other thing I found, too, is robotics is a great way because it instead of it being an esoteric um, or something super abstract like computer science, you know, where, where encryption, where you're, you're uh, where it's, you know, having the Bazooka Joe is a physical thing that you that you could tie back. Um, robotics is cool, too, because it, it ties the programming world to the physical world. Where you can, or you know, and Scratch is sort of similar too, where you could have the Scratch cat move forward or move around. But having, you know, you type some code in, you have a robot move. It's like, whoa, that's a big deal. And it's like, oh, can we, what? And then you have fun with it. Let's see if it could chase a guinea pig around or something, you know, and, and you could have like a mission that you come up with. So that, that ends up being good. That's totally cool. So, so knowing what you two know now, is there anything that you would do differently? You've learned over the years. In what way? With the with, with, with raising daughters. There's a man, that's an open question, man. I, there's a lot of things I could do differently. <laughs> I mean, I think that's what it is. It's a learning process. You know, in hindsight, from trying a lot of things and seeing what works and what doesn't, it's like trying to make it as relatable as fast as possible. Is is really helpful. Well, you know what? Also, consistency. You know, I, yeah. I haven't been as consistent as well. You know, there might be. Yeah, there might be times where we're really into the laptop, and you know, we've we've done scratch before yep. and had a blast. And if a couple of days or weeks might go by before we even do it again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So essentially, it might be something that you might want to incorporate um, the, the, a family thing or a daddy daughter. So for me, I do like daddy daughter days with my daughter, mm-hmm. and this could be something that you just make sure you block out that time. You know, sit down with her and or with him or whoever. And sit down and just make sure you keep that dedication and that time open for both of you. And now that sounds awesome. Well, on, on the slightly less STEMI uh, end of the spectrum, right here, what what do you do with your daughters for fun? Well, it's so for for me, it's a lot of this is just around you know tying in the technology because she likes robotics mm-hmm. and things like that. She she loves to go for bike rides and and just like pedal and take off and leave me huffing and puffing. So she enjoys that. You know, that's why you get on your motorcycle. (laughs) Yeah. To to keep up with her. Um, But yeah, she, she loves stuff like that. And, and what's funny is that now she's in high school and that's, you know, making sure she has a, a balance in life. Cause it's like, you know, school, there's so many demands academically in school. And then Mm -hmm. you got robotics and that takes a lot of time and making sure you have time for fun is important and downtime is important. You know, it can't be all work and no play. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of dancing. <laughs> yeah. nice. so really we need a video a for the show notes. You dance I, with your daughter? I, I do a lot of dancing with my daughter. She, so she's in competition dancing and uh, they do like daddy-daughter oh, really? dances every year. So I go on stage and we do a daddy-daughter dance but then they do a dad's dance and this is completely... Uh, Need the YouTube link for this. No way. <laughs> no way. No way. Uh, yes, they, they, um, they. We go up there and it's all it's all in good fun. Yeah. You know, and, and 
that's something I can always relate with her is just to put on some some good tunes and dance with her. Yeah. yeah. Well, that that also builds those bonds and makes it has such a tight relationship with your daughter. I'm sure. Well, I mean, well, Zoma, I mean, you what a couple more months? Well, I mean, what are you doing personally for yourself? Where it all changes. You know, what do you do in your day to day? Working. Working. That's what I do in my day to day. No, I'm I'm hoping to. Uh, I'm hoping to get some time to do some things to dedicate. Uh, to my daughter when she when she arrives, uh, I, I'm actually think I DJ from time to time. And yeah, I haven't touched a set of turntables in uh, about six months. Yeah, but uh, I'm hoping that it, you know to steal away an hour or so and just kind of make a mix for her. Oh yeah, nice. And just have that in the wait. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. So that when she gets older, hopefully she can appreciate it. Yeah. Well, so. and and I think, you know, the with all the being a DJ and having all the equipment and everything, that is a physical, tangible thing that you could do with her. Where, you know, it's, oh, let's cable this up. And, you know, and I remember so many times we would, uh, uh, you know, instead of me getting a computer and putting Linux on it or, or whatever, tear it apart, put memory in it, Mm-hmm. It's we would do it together, and oh, we get to open it up and you know tear things out, unplug stuff, and I, you know, she may enjoy, you know, just you know doing stuff that you know so many times. How many times is oh, you know, don't touch that, or you know, to tell kids that you know they're not allowed to touch that, and then they become afraid mm-hmm. of of wanting to touch that and be less adventurous. So encouraging that I think is a good thing. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think we're let's we could we could. Uh, land the plane here, but I know that we got uh, Defense in Depth coming up. So speaking of, of SME work, this is one of the big events that you've been working on, right? Yeah. So why, why don't you tell us about that, Robin? Yep. Yep. We uh, September 1st, mm-hmm. we will have Defense in Depth for 2015 this year. Uh, it will be in Tyson's Corner, yep. I believe. Um, I'm pretty sure we'll get the link in the show notes. Oh, absolutely. The, yep. the information, but uh, this is something that's been happening uh, even before I came on board as yeah. an essay, I believe. I believe Sean Wells um, uh, ran one before then. Um, and then whenever we started generating the SME uh, content and members and the whole group and everything, we started to take on a lot more action items yeah. to help the success of this. Yeah, And it's actually grown into something very uh, unique. Uh, we have a lot of reoccurring uh, people that come out here, but the idea is to really expand on a lot of the security topics. Yep. So we'll definitely have Dan Walsh out there, Steve Grubb. Uh, we do have uh, like Sean, Sean Wells will be up there. I'm pretty sure he'll be up there with yep. Jeff Blank. Um, and just a lot of other uh, individuals from the SME group yep. will be out there presenting. Yep. I believe I believe last year we may have even had some of the public sector teams uh-huh. uh, even presenting going to SE Linux uh, Jamie Duncan, or I believe so. Yeah, okay. Yeah, wow. I'm sure did. He did a wonderful job. But yeah, we have all kinds of uh, uh, side uh, uh, trainings, and pretty much it's, it's basically to, to to give everybody awareness of all the security features, a lot of the security conversations around Red Hat, around, yeah. around what are we doing, yeah. and, and 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 it's either educational or even announcing if you're, if you're not even in the know of it. Yeah, but yeah, this is something that we we do every year, and and, and hoping to do a lot more of. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, this again goes back to building your brand of, you know, uh, 
involving some of the, the superstars in engineering, like Dan Walsh and Steve Grubb and mm-hmm. others. Uh, Josh Bressers is coming out from the uh, product management side from for security. Um, you know, it's a great way to develop those relationships and strengthen them. So, and put them in the spotlight and make them look good. Uh, so it's a great way to build some, you know, pay it forward uh, with those guys for all the great work they, they do for us. And the other part is whenever they come out and they, they speak with our public sector customers, they can hear the stories and they hear the requirements firsthand too. So instead of uh, them saying, you know, trust or us saying, you know, trust me and us saying it, they, they hear it firsthand. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. So great guys. So I want to, I want to thank both of you. Thank you, Azoma. Thank you, Robin. Um, so to get all the links to the, the show notes and the YouTube video of, of Robin dancing, um, <laughs> Rob, Robin, where do we need to send everybody? Uh, that would be Diaz and Dave, Diaz and Gunner, show.org. Nice. See, I was going to say Diaz and Uzoma, uh, Diaz and Robin. Well, you know, before we yeah. do anything, I got to at least say hi to my mom. She yep. actually is a big fan of this podcast. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so we need to get her on the show. I'm serious. She she listens to the pod. She loves yeah. it. She loves it. She actually has a really cool story. You've heard the stories. Oh, yeah. Mom, so she actually has some. Interesting backgrounds in computers. But I need to say hi to her. Nice. She knows that. I'm thinking about it. Nice. Anybody you want to say hi to? Um, not right now. Future, <laughs> future daughter? Future daughter. Yeah. yeah Put well, this in the time capsule. <laughs> this in the time. <laughs> Maybe, uh, yeah. Well, I, I don't want to say her name just yet. Right, right. Yeah, so you need an NDA for that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, sir. And we'll catch everybody later. Thanks, everybody.